guys in the back room, you want to come forward? What did you say? 
You said, Mom, Dad, I need a new coat, right? You didn't get all upset. You didn't get, how am I going to stay warm? No, you just said, Mom, my coat doesn't fit anymore, right? And what happened? You got a new coat. See, that's what kids do. They say, Mom, my jeans don't fit me anymore. And Mom goes, okay, we'll get you new jeans. Mom, I'm hungry. Well, there's food in the cupboard. Let me go make you something. Mom, yes, and so Mom and Dad take care of you, right? Right? I mean, I don't think there's any one of you that don't have clothes on right now. <laughs> I think all of you had a place to sleep that was warm last night, right? And all of you had food sometime in the last 24 hours, right? You're not starving and you're clothed and you're warm and you're safe. And it's all because you have a mom and dad to take care of you and love you. But, be, but the thing is, as we get older and past being little kids, we start having to worry about our own stuff. Clothing and housing and food and car and job and all that. And you know what the Bible has to say about that? This is what Jesus said when he was talking to his disciples. He said... I want to tell you, don't be worried about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. Don't worry about your body, what you put on clothes-wise. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? I mean, look at the birds, the birds that fly around. They don't have a store that they go to to get their food, do they? And they don't have to go out and harvest their food and, and prepare it in a stove. No, God gives them what they need. And, and Jesus, God, Jesus said to his people, aren't you more important than birds? And, and which of you guys can make your life one day more than it already is? Do you have the control over time? No. You just have to trust God. God will give you every day as he sees fit. And your clothing... God knows that you need clothes, and he's going to take care of you. Look at the flowers, and look at the trees. God knows what they need, and he provides for them. Can't you trust him for that? And that's what Jesus kept saying over and over and over again. He literally said, don't worry. Don't ask, what are we going to eat, or what are we going to drink, or what are we going to, what are we going to wear? He said, those are the things that the people who don't know God do. The people who know God, trust God. The people who know God follow the things of God. They do what God wants them to do. They worry about seeking first the kingdom of God and being righteous and holy. And then they know that God is going to take care of all of that. It literally says right here in the Bible, Jesus said to his people, don't worry about even tomorrow's stuff. Just focus on today. You can trust God. That's a promise that Jesus made to every single one of us. He said, if you will trust God, God will make sure that you have the clothes that you need, the food that you need, a house to stay in. And you have to just depend on God to take care of you. It may not be exactly what you think. You know, Katie might have wanted a pink coat instead of a brown coat. <laughs> she might have wanted sparkles on it or something. Your parents knew what you liked, right? They bought you one that you would like. God takes care of his people. And you can trust him. And it's a promise that we have from God that he will take care of you. You just have to trust him. So let me pray with you guys. Jesus, help these kids. Help them to grow to become men and women who trust you, who take you at your word, who know that your promises are true, and that you do what you say you're going to do for them. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks. You guys go back and sit with your folks. And I'm going to go sit in my chair, stand at my desk, whatever this is. Well, on the screen you see a scripture out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. And I have to tell you, God challenged me this week. And I'm going to trash one of your favorite songs. Sorry. Bring it up, please. The slide that I should bring up. This is the lyrics to a very popular song right now. What is this song called? It's called Sea of Victory. You've heard it on, on the radio. You've heard us sing it. It's a great song. I love it. Whenever it comes on, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, bro. You sing it for us because this, this guy can't do it. The weapon form, but it won't prosper. When the darkness fails, it won't be Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. My God will never fail. Where did that scripture come from? That is based on scripture, by the way. The weapon that may be formed, but not the problem, won't prosper. Where is that from? Does anybody know? It's Isaiah. And I believe it's Isaiah 40, not, not 40. Um, I look at it. 54, I think it is. But the reality is. That particular verse wasn't for you. That particular verse was talking about Jerusalem, the city. That particular verse was talking about how God was blessing the nation of Israel. And it was a promise through the prophet Isaiah that that city was going to be prosperous. There's not be a single thing that could happen to that city. But we can and we put it in our popular song and we sing it all day long. There's no weapon that can be formed that can prosper against me. I'm going to trust Jesus. Nothing's going to go wrong. And I'm not saying that you're wrong for that idea. But I am saying you're setting yourself up for a potential fall. If you pull a scripture out of the verse, I mean out of the text, and say, for I know the plans that I have for you. Plans not to harm you. I have, what's the word? What is it? Jeremiah, what is it? Is it? 29. 29, 14, 29, 11. Everyone has it above their kitchen. Everyone. I know the plans God has for me. Plans to prosper me. I'm not saying that it's a bad scripture to hold on to. Believe me. And, and, and Psalm 91. There's not anything that can harm you in any way, shape, or form. If you go into battle, you're going to be taken care of. But I have a friend who's a Christian who's struggling with end-of-life stuff. We have a person in this room, I won't embarrass them by calling them out, but they deal with people who are on the edges of society, who struggle with security over housing and food. They see young people in this city and in this borough who have been cast out by their families and they have absolutely no hope. And what about them? I mean, where are the promises of God there? See, that's the challenge that I, I struggled with when I was listening to this song. God really hit me with it. He said, he said really, Mom? You can bring that, bring, bring back the, the promise. We don't need 
that up there for the rest. You can be able to sit wherever you want to sit now. Thank you. <laughs> I have to stay up there just to make sure that I have that slide. Um, and I'm not trying to be in any way say that I don't like that song. I love that song. I want us to continue to sing that song. But I want us to understand that, that we need to recognize that you can't just cherry pick scriptures and say, oh, this is a promise, and I'm going to hold on to it. Now, I want to show you some promises in the scripture, but before we do, I want to ask, is there anybody in the room who knows that they know that they know that they know that God has given them a specific, a specific promise, either through reading the scriptures or just through Holy Spirit inspiration, that they know that they know that they know that this was a word from God, and they hold on to it? Is there anybody? I have no idea you're brave enough to see you. Kristen? My wife? It's a couple of us. Okay. And again, I'm not, I'm not challenging anything. I just want us to understand and be educated. Because there are people, literally, who have such an immature faith that if something doesn't go exactly as they think it should happen, it's like their whole foundation crumbles. I can tell you, when Ray and I were, um, were, were, were before Bible college, there was a situation that happened in our life where I felt like God had called us to retire from the military and go to the Bible college. That's what I truly believe God had spoken to me. And I came home that evening and I spoke those words to my wife and she looked at me and she said, absolutely not. And it totally floored me. Totally floored me. Just totally knocked all the props out from underneath me. Why? Because up to that point, I had used my wife for years. I had used my wife as a litmus paper for my faith. If I believe something to be true and I speak to her and she says yes, then that's true. But what if she's wrong? What if she's having a bad day? What if she's rebelling against the Holy Spirit of God? But I'm trusting her discernment to verify my discernment. Now, God used that moment because it took months, literally months, for us to sort all of that out. And it was a growth point for me. And then five and a half years later, I get called to be the pastor of this church. And we had a telephone interview before we actually physically came up here for our face-to-face -face interview. And at the end of the telephone interview, my wife and I were talking, and she looked at me, and she said, what are your thoughts? And I said, I feel like this is what we're supposed to be doing. And she said, but I don't. And I said, okay. So we won't make any move until you're ready. You won't say yes until you're ready. I'm good with that. And that was July. No, that was June. And it wasn't like six weeks later, four or five weeks later, that we finally came up here. And that weekend, while we were up here, God confirmed our call in her heart, and then finally we were able to say yes. But I went for five or six weeks knowing that I knew that I knew that I was talking to the pastor, and I just needed to wait until God confirmed it in my life. What was different? I was no longer depending on her for my faith. I now knew how to talk with God and hear from God and trust the word that God gave me. And that's what faith is. I may not be able to see it. I may not be able to touch it. I may not be able to even experience it right now. But God has spoken to me, and I know that I know that I know that I know that it is mine own. So it's just a matter of waiting for God. It may not be next week. It may be six weeks from now. It may 
but I know that it's going to happen. Look in Hebrews chapter 11. Open your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 11. It says, verse 1, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Enoch was taken up. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. And keep going all the way through. And then he gets to verse 32. And I don't even have time to talk about Gideon and Barak and Seth and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms and enforced justice and obtained promises and stopped the mouth of lions and quenched the power of fire and escaped the avenge of the sword who were made strong out of weakness may became mighty and more put foreign armies to flight. It was all by faith. But faith in what? Faith in the word of God. Faith in the promise of God. If you turn just a page or so over in Hebrews to the very last chapter, chapter 13, you'll go to verse 8 of chapter 13. What do you read there? It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. What does that mean? That means if God said something 10,000 years ago, it's still true today. If God made a promise 15 years ago and you still haven't seen it, it's still true today. The question is, do you believe in God and the Word of God? Or do you believe in Grandma? Because that's what she read in her devotions on February 14, 2010. And she told you that God spoke this word to her. And you have since held on to that as a word from God, but it wasn't necessarily a word from God because Grandma didn't take her pills that morning. <laughs> Do you hear it? I have friends in Bible college. They literally went through five years of Bible college and got to the end. It was time to graduate, go on to ministry, and all of a sudden they realized Grandma was the one that had called them to full-time ministry, not God. And they had moved across the country and they had spent thousands of dollars on education that they no longer needed. And they were struggling and frustrated and upset and God, my whole world is crumbling. What the world is going on? I don't understand. And then finally they moved on and went to another location and they went to further education. And ultimately, God brought them into the pastorate. And he's now serving in the pastorate with a doctorate, and God is moving in a powerful life and way in His life, and using a great, uh, giving them great ministry. But it's because its foundation is now on the word and calling of God, not on grandma. Look at Second Samuel, Second Samuel, chapter seven. Really interesting story. King David. I'm just going to read a few verses out of it. When King David lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all of his surrounding enemies, the king said to the prophet Nathan, See, now I dwell in the house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, 
the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since today. He goes on. Now see, David talked to the priest, the, the prophet. And the prophet said, ah, do whatever's in your heart, because God's with you. God's blessing you. And then all of a sudden, God went, that's not what I told you. And that's not my word. That's not my will. I don't want David building this. I've got a totally different plan. So you go tell David you said the wrong thing. So David had to go and say, David, I said the wrong thing. God has said a totally different plan for you. God wants you to prepare, but it's going to be your son who's going to build. And David was thrilled. Why? Not because God wouldn't let him be the builder of the temple, but because God said, and David, we can go back and read it later on if you want to. I don't have time this morning to go back and find it. But David literally went, my kid's going to sit on the throne? God is going to let my kingdom become a dynasty? God is making specific promises to me and my family? Well, if you look, let's see if I can find it real quick, because I didn't mark it. Uh, okay, Nathan says, Now therefore, verse 8, Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you whenever you went out, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them, so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more, as formerly, from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. And moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body, and I will establish the kingdom, and he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the th- his throne, excuse me, I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now this is God speaking through the prophet to King David, I am not only going to allow your son to build a house for me, but I am going to have the throne of your son stand forever. It's a word from God. This wasn't the prophet thinking a good thought. God clearly cleared the air and said, no, you got it wrong. Go back and tell him this is the word of God. The word of God said, I will establish your house forever. The throne of David forever. Turn to Psalm 89. Psalm 89 is lengthy. We don't have time this morning. I wish we did to read all 52 verses, but it would take us half an hour just to read it. Not really. Take 15 minutes just to read it. This is a masculine of Ethan Ezra. Scholars have no idea what a masculine is. They just think it's a, like a song or something musical. But he says this is one of the one of the the, uh, the people who serve the Lord in the temple. And he wrote, I will sing the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever in the heavens, and I will establish your faithfulness. And you, Seth, said, I have made covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. 
I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. And then it goes on and talks about God and how wonderful he is and how he's faithful and just. How we saw him in a heavenly vision and how he's the rock of our salvation. It goes on and on. But then if you go to verse 38, it says, But you, now you have cast off and rejected him. You're full of wrath against your anointed. You've renounced the covenant with your servant. You've defiled his crown in the dust. You've breached all the walls. You've laid his stronghold to the ruin. All who passed by plundered him. He has become the scorn of his neighbors. You've exalted the right hand of his foes. You've made all his enemies rejoice. You've also turned the back of his, the edge of his sword. It goes on. Verse 46. How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your breath burn like a fire? And then verse 49. Lord, where is your steadfast love of old? Which by your faithfulness you swore to David. Remember, O oh Lord, how your servants are mocked, and how I bear in my heart the insults of the many nations with which your enemies mock, O oh Lord, with which they mock the footsteps of your anointed. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. And what Ezra the, the, the guy was writing, he was saying to God, you made a promise, you made a covenant, you made a declaration through your prophet that this was going to be established forever. And from this perspective right now, it's not. Now, scholars don't know what era Psalm 89 was written from. They don't know if it was the Babylonian exile, they don't know if it was the Assyrian assault, they don't know what timeline we're looking at, but something bad had happened. Now, if you go back and look at the, the whole lineage with David and then Solomon and all the way down, it literally says, I think it was in Solomon, he said, if your sons continue to honor me, then I will continue to bless them. But if they don't, heaven help. Okay? And then you see all the way through first and second kings. Well, this guy was good, this one wasn't so good, this one was good, this wasn't so good, this one was so good, this one was good, this one wasn't so good, this one was really bad. And it goes on and on and on. But the end result ultimately is Christ who becomes of the line of David, who becomes the Messiah, who will sit on the throne forever and forever and forever. So God's word will remain true. God's promise is going to be fulfilled. But in Ezra's time, it wasn't a continual kingdom, if you will. The throne was vacant. Jerusalem was probably in shambles. If you look at the, the thing that's this weapon, no weapon factor formed against you, Jerusalem hasn't stood through all of time. No weapon will form that's formed against you will prosper. But what about Romans? The Roman army coming in and burning the city of Jerusalem in AD 70. So scholars have really struggled with that. So the question is, what has God specifically promised that you can hold on to? What specific promises do you know that you know that you know that you know? Well, number one, Christ, which is what it says here on the screen. In Jesus, all the promises are His. Anything dealing with your salvation, for it is by grace that you've been saved, and not of yourselves, it's not of any works that you can't boast. 
If you confess your sins and repent, you will be saved. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you will be saved. Chapter, Romans chapter 10. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God didn't give his Son into the world, send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through the world, but through his Son the world might be saved. Anything that's specifically about God's plan of salvation, you can hold on to that. There are certain passages of Scripture that God will bring into your life, and God will speak to you specifically. It may not have been, you know, specifically written to, to Joe Smith. It was probably talking about some, some king back then, but God in your own personal time as you're reading the Word can quicken it for you and say, this is something that I want you to and then you can hold on to it forever and for always and no, without question. But the one thing I want you to take out of Psalm 89 from this is this. I, God showed me this as I was looking at it and studying it. Ezra knew the promise. Ezra believed the promise. And when it didn't look like the promise was being fulfilled, he didn't have a problem coming to God and saying, Ah, excuse me. You specifically promised. I can show you chapter and verse where you promised that this. You even sent Nathan back because he gave the wrong word at the beginning. So I don't understand God. But I know that your word never fails because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. I hold on to that. And so even though today it doesn't look like that promise that I know that you know that I know that you've made and spoken over me is going to happen. It looks like it's not anywhere near possible that it could happen. But God, I know that your word never fails. You have said this is going to happen. You have given me assurance. You have given me the ability to know that I know that I know that this is mine to own. So God, I'm going to call you to account at this moment. I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm not trying to be belligerent. I'm not trying to be mean-spirited. I'm just saying, God, you promised. And in confidence, you can stand before God and say, you promised. I know. I may not see it. I can go to Hebrews chapter 11 and say that there's lots of people who walked in faith their entire life but never saw the fulfillment. But I didn't know. For example, has God, though, my wife has said many, many times, going to Bible college, the specific promise she had was that we would not lose our children. That God would, I, I don't want to misquote, but is that close to what God said? We would not lose our children. Okay? Our children would still be part of the faith. Our children would still be followers of Jesus. Well, She's going to see it. Um, one of our kids rebelled against us and God and everything. And for about five or six years, was out on her own, living her life the way she wanted, thumbing her nose at God and everything else. And as we walked those five years, all my wife could do was hold on to that promise that God had given her. I know that I know that I know that I know that you promised me God, and I'm going to hold that. If nothing else, as I'm looking, I don't see it. As I'm, as I'm praying over this situation, everything is telling me that this was stupid to even believe in. But God, I know this was your word. I know this is what you promised me. 
for them to see it, please. Well, I can tell you today, 20 years or so later, my daughter is serving the Lord, and she's a leader in her women's ministry of the church that she's part of. But it took a long time for God's perfect plan to work out in their life. Don't lose hope. If God is giving you a word, it's yours. Own it. Hold on to it. Keep it. If you don't see it happening and you start getting discouraged and the enemy starts whispering things to you, just turn to God and say, God, I'm trusting this. Your word. That's it. That's all I can hold on to, God. Please. It's not easy, especially when what you think God spoke must be physically possible. But if God spoke it and confirmed it, hold his feet to the fire. You may not want to see it, but that doesn't make it not true. God will bring about what God said God will do. You can trust Him. Let's pray. Lord, I don't know who is hearing this that needed to hear it this morning, whether it's in this room or whether it's somebody who's watching online, but I trust, Father, that your word will go out. Hit the target that's intended. And I pray, Father, for that person that you would just encourage them right now. Give them confidence to hold on to the promise that you made to them. Help them to walk in faith whether they walk in sight or not. 